Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Now she's working. Technical difficulties continue, yet Father Nathan perseveres. Father John here, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Greetings, everyone. We are back for round two. Here we go. Here we go. We are podcasting on a lovely Tuesday afternoon. What day is it? Now it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Trying to get these out every Thursday. Meow. I'm going on silent retreat next week, so we're going to double up today. We got our beers. Different choices today than uh, Labatt's Blue from last week. Labatt Blue and uh, what was it called? Limerita. When I turned 30, I decided that I was going to start drinking IPAs, and I'm addicted to them. And here's St. Lupulin from Odell's. Don't shake your head at me. Sick. It's too hoppy. Too hoppy. It's a great summer beer. And we got uh, Mirapond as Mirapond well. Mirapond Pale Ale. Mirapond Pale Ale. So there's some uh, technical difficulties that are happening, but we're still really happy, aren't we? We're hoping that we can be even more happy if we can actually get this thing out without too much of our um, hearts imploding from electronic mishaps. From all technological deliveries, Jason Taylor deliver us. That's right. From all our sins. We've, yep. got, we've got kind of a, um, an intense topic that we just decided on, and that's why we're a little awkward right now. We're always awkward. Yeah, we're a little awkward this time. But this is going to be extra awkward. Okay. But we've been thinking about this, and uh, we've been praying about it, and we're going to go for it. And uh, we might not do it well, but uh, we think it's important to just go yep. for it. Yep. So the topic today is vulnerability and forgiveness. All right? Mm-hmm. Vulnerability and forgiveness. But what we want to start with is a little bit on vulnerability. All right? Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it conceptually, and then we're going to give a very potent example. Okay. Okay. Vulnerability comes from vulnus, the Latin word for? Wounds. Wounds. That's right. So to be vulnerable with someone is the exposition, the showing, the revealing of one's woundedness. Right? And it's also capable of being wounded oneself. Exactly. Right. Renders oneself capable. Now, what's interesting, when St. Thomas talks about the virtue of courage, it requires vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Right? If you don't have vulnerability, then the courageous act is impossible, right? Because the two, the uh, there's always two vices on each side of one virtue, right? There's the vice of deficiency, which mm-hmm. would be cowardice, and the vice of excess, which would be rashness. I forget how we... Foolhardiness. Foolhardiness. Right? Yeah, so the foolhardy, there's no vulnerability. There's no possible weakness, right? Yeah, and they just go for it. They just run. They just run at the enemy charging without any concept of exactly nothing what's nothing will hurt them that's right and so um i think that vulnerability is one of those things that is often overlooked in um the life of faith it's it's overlooked in the way that we're relating with god certainly with the way we're relating with each others and uh, one of the things that we have uh, come across as uh companions this uh, priestly fraternity we're about when the guys up in minnesota formed us on this they said vulnerability is the hallmark of our life Hallmark. Nod your head. The hallmark, right? The hallmark. That's such a word that I don't know exactly what it means. <laughs> but it sounds really important. Well, like, that means, like, if you flip our life over on the back, there's, like, a little crown, like a little gold crown. And it says, hallmark, hallmark. It's the hallmark of our life. What does that mean? What is hallmark? I don't particularly mean. I think it's the defining characteristic. I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a character. It's a, it's, it's a character of our life, meaning, like... Um, it should have this kind of uh, stamp. When when you look at our life, it should have 
you should be able to pick out vulnerability. Right. Okay. And, and so um, vulnerability of life is the hallmark of the priestly association that we are a part of and the charism that we're part of. So we thought to ourselves, we better be living this, right? We better be living vulnerability of life. Yeah. And that actually means vulnerability with discretion to those that we're talking to. And so what we want to talk about here as the example of this, as a, as a living example of vulnerability, is uh, why we took the break. Why we took a break. Because it was a long break. Yeah. And uh, we don't really have anything uh, that we need to hide, or, and we don't really need to pretend like everything's great. Mm-hmm. Basically what happened was that um, Father Joe and Father Nathan and I uh, have been doing the podcast for a long time. Mm-hmm. But last fall through some personal difficulties and through some difficulties in the way we were relating, we had a falling out. Yep. And uh, it's not something we're proud of. It's not something that we are um, bl- uh, blameless for. I think if you were to ask who's to blame, everyone's to blame. I, and uh, we certainly all did things that we would, uh, that we certainly regret now. Yeah. And things that we have asked for forgiveness for. But sometimes the effects of our sins uh, don't get cleaned up real quick. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the effects um, of them last. There's temporal effects. And uh, sometimes reconciliation doesn't happen on our time and on our terms. And so um, things got so bad that by, the, by December we had, to, we had to take a break. Yeah. And we needed space from each other. And um, that was the main reason. We didn't lie to you. The deacons were also really burned out. It was a really intense time. Yeah. Everything was kind of crazy. But the deeper thing was that the relationship, which is the foundation of this, was not in place. Right. And it hadn't been in place for a long time. Right. And as we, as we kind of talk to each other about it, um, the podcast has always been a fruit of friendship, a friendship that has been um, generating life because we have been in close relationship both with Mike and with John starting and then eventually like bringing in uh, Joe and myself and uh, there was significant strains and it's not your fault you know like it's not the kids fault it's not the kids fault you know mom and dad had a falling out and whatever else um i think that part of it was we you can only go so far on fumes and if there's not like a larger reservoir of relationship, um, both with uh, accountability and vulnerability and encouragement and an intercession and all those other things, um, then you start like running on fumes and you can still keep going, but eventually you, you stop. And when you stop, you're not going to get going a while until you can put anything into the reservoir again. Right. And we really had to wait until there was enough stability where we could re-engage the question of what about the podcast. Um, And together we made the decision. Um, And Joe very graciously, I think in a very gracious move, said, why don't you two continue and I'll step out for right now. Yep. And so to to say he's too far away to podcast, to say he's too busy, well, those are are lies. They're not true. The real reason is that the, the friendships and the relationships that were the foundation fell apart. And again, the circumstances don't particularly matter. It doesn't matter who's at fault. Uh, these are the things that um, we don't need to really talk about, nor do we really need to be uh, continuing ourselves with. But the important thing is to say that it happened and it's okay. 
that, yeah. uh, because I think it took us a long time to get to that point. Because we're priests and we're young priests and we're supposed to have everything awesome and we're all just going to be amazing and everything's going to be great in the mission and new evangelization. And then you realize there's major failures in my life. And this was a major failure in terms of a heartbreak and confusion and agony and pain. One of the, one of the greatest, I think, that uh, we've ever been through. And I'm sure that would include Father Joe as well. But to say, to hide all that, to bury that, and to keep moving forward and to say that never happened. Yeah. To just bury each other and to yeah. say that never happened. And to smile and to pretend like everything's great. Well, that's what everybody's doing. Yeah. And that's not uh, vulnerability. And ultimately, vulnerability is tied to humility. And there's a lack of humility if we can't just honestly say, hey, you know what? We really failed in this. Yeah. And it's having huge repercussions. Yeah, and things aren't things aren't all well in podcast land or candy land or whatever else. Like, um, you know, I was telling the parishioners today, which was hilarious because um, I woke up I woke up at six ten this morning uh, because my alarm didn't go off, which was supposed to go off at five twenty because I was supposed to unlock the church nice. for our mass at six thirty. Um, and I just like haul out of bed to Phil Collins. I can feel it in the air tonight. Um, <laughs> Uh, which, uh, you know, like really gets you pumped up. Mike Tyson punch you in the face. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly like, so then I like rip off my pajamas, put on my clerics, run over to the church and, uh, somebody had already unlocked the church. I couldn't believe it. It was like a Christmas miracle. Somebody had shown up early and everything. But what I did was, uh, cause the gospel was about Jesus giving the apostles power and authority to drive out demons and whatever else. And sometimes we get the image of once Jesus gave the apostles power and authority to uh, cleanse, you know, cleanse lepers and drive out demons and everything, they just became perfect. Um, and they always got along. He sent them out on mission and they always got along. And they came back and it's just like, Jesus, it was so amazing. We did all this awesome stuff and everything. And the reality is um, we are, um, uh, we hold these treasures in earthen vessels. And sometimes we throw our earthen vessels at one another and shatter, um, shatter one another. Sometimes we pick up the shards and start stabbing one another. I mean, like um, the priesthood, baptismal life, uh, marriage, it's not a cure-all. Uh, the grace of the sacrament is, um, is powerful and can certainly work in us and work powerful things in us. And yet um, we can still have... Uh, our sins, and we can still have resentments, and we can still have broken relationships. But it's what we do with the knowledge that we have been redeemed in Christ. It's what we do with the knowledge that we have been uh, oriented by Christ to be um, His hands and His feet in the world today, and to be His ministers of you know the priesthood. Um, it doesn't make it all okay. And I think one thing that you have all echoed in your comments to us is I really appreciate the fact that these priests are so real. Right. Um, and we really appreciate that these priests, like, you know, they just tell us about their lives, and they have pop culture references and whatever else, which is true. And thank you, like, thank you for making me feel like I'm at least somewhat relevant um, <laughs> at times. Um, but with reality comes, um, comes pain and darkness. And it's not just, like, sweet Instagram photos all the time. <clears throat> which are hashtag grateful. <laughs> Hashtag grateful. The uh, Father Nathan just discovered Instagram yesterday, and he's been making fun of me. The um, yeah, I think that's important. That's the most important thing is that what we've learned from this 
is um, the the old truth that the Christian life doesn't make life easier; it makes it more real. And the Christian life as a deeper reality of of the human life means deeper immersion into pain and sorrow, just as much as deeper immersion into joy and gratitude. And um, you have to experience that, and you have to be ready for a more real life. And I think the most tragic thing is that the reason why we bury, as Christians, culturally, why we just bury everything, um, is because it's just too real. It's just too hard. Yeah. It's too hard to face things. It's a lot easier to just say, I either have the perfect marriage, or we just bury each other and pretend like it never happened. Move on. Yeah. And it's the same with priests. We're no different. And we're no better. And I think that what we've realized is uh, one of those painful things that happen as you grow older, which is to say, you know, I'm still making the mistakes that I made a long time ago. And just because I hit ordination doesn't mean that everything's just gone. Yeah. And I think a lot of married couples could probably resonate with that to say, I still got the same crap. I'm still doing the same things and I'm still damaging people. Yeah. And there's that line from St. Ignatius, left to ourselves, we wound, we kill, we go down to hell. Yeah. And to be able to say that, honestly, just to say, that's me. And yeah. that's, that was at work to say it publicly in this forum. That's yeah, pretty difficult, right? It's a lot easier to sweep it under the rug and to kind of give nice little political lines. And we're going to get emails from people who are going to give us all kinds of self-help ideas about how to reconcile relationships and how to fix everything. Yeah. And, and just don't do that because there's a lot of other people who have been through this. And who are much closer to the situation, who are already trying you know, to will and right. to ask for reconciliation. And uh, if anything, you know, all what we would ask for, what I would ask for is that, you know, you would sincerely offer uh, in your hearts prayer for us to be converted. Um, and, uh, and it's through that conversion, which sometimes requires like a deeper self-knowledge, that we know this about ourselves, that we can then bring it to one another and say, this is, this is my part, you know. Um, and I think that uh, the Holy Spirit makes clear what was what was previously like either unknown or opaque and everything else, and and for your prayers and intercession in that regard, so that um, Christ brings healing and the Spirit brings healing, and in the right time in the right way, like you know we we come to a deeper understanding. And that's the uh, that's the hard thing as well is that Christ reconciles all things to the Father. Mm-hmm. He does. We know that. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be on our time frame. That doesn't even mean that it's going to be in our lifetime. There are certain things in all of our lives that will never be reconciled in this life. That's why purgatory exists. There has to be yeah. a reconciliation that happens because it's just not going to happen. We hope that this is reconciled. There are other things in my life I hope that are reconciled soon. There are many things that have been miraculously healed. But a lot of times it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen on our timing and we don't understand what's going on. And all we can do is focus our hearts more deeply on Christ and pray for healing in ourselves. I yeah. think the hardest thing that I've experienced growing older is the realization that I can't change other people and I can only change myself. And a lot of times we see other people more clearly than they see themselves, but we can't change them. And the more you try and fix them, the more that you do damage. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, uh, Bratzinger in his book on eschatology talks about purgatory in the sense that uh, God gives us a space and a time in order to grow in our capacity to love, because the saints are the ones that maximize their capacity to love, both God and neighbor. And frankly, we think that we 
we do a pretty good job and we're not. Um, and God actually says, you were made for more. You were made for more love, both to receive and to give. Um, and so purgatory doesn't become a place where like, you know, you just have to be on like American Ninja Warrior and until you can like master the, the obstacle course or something, you can't get into heaven. It's actually saying, um, grow in your capacity to love, which is interesting because in purgatory, this is a totally different topic. We should probably just save it for a topic called purgatory. But, um, in purgatory, they can't pray for themselves. They can't ask for things for themselves, but they can't ask for things for other people. Um, and so there is a purgative aspect to this. Now, if I can, just so nobody gets the idea that um, it's uh, John and myself, like, you know, ganging up on Joe and um, where's Joe and where's Joe's side of the story. Um, I sat John down uh, on a park bench, or I should say John sat me down on a park bench outside of Park Burger um, after we got done eating. And both of us just had to come to the, like, understanding of, Things aren't right between us either. Um, and uh, John had some things to say to me, and I had some things to say to John. Um, so it's not just like, you know, um, just because Joe's not here means that all was well in Candyland until, like, Big Bad Joe, like, did something. Um, there was tension between all of us. And um, and so we share this with you uh, in part because be honest with yourself that there are certain things about other people, even close people in your life, that is really hurting you. And uh, the as um, Kamisaska told us, you know, when he came, uh, Massimo Kamisaska, who was originally the uh, superior general of the fraternity of St. Charles Borromeo, which means absolutely nothing to most of you, unless you know, like, people in communion and liberation, and then they're the priests who are associated with it. Either way... Massimo Kamisaska says that harsh words between friends are nothing new. They're simply fertilizer for a deeper relationship, a deeper encounter. Mm. Well, harsh words between friends um, take time to eventually become fertilizer. It has to be composted for a while. Um, you know, you don't just take, you know, dog crap and like plant plow flowers in it. You know, it takes time for it to actually be broken down. And there's a lot of... There's a lot of issues uh, at play, and so um, I think for us to share, you know, our struggles, it's more to allow you into a window into our lives and say, um, and so also you should do. I mean, it's not like we're passing judgment on all of you, but my guess is some of you are sinners. <laughs> just letting you know. <laughs> just a, just going to throw that out there. You're crazy. The um, No, I think that's a great analogy for it. Um, that to to um, to allow certain things in your life to to kind of percolate up to the surface and to deal with them um, is a really painful thing to do, and it's a lot easier to just bury it, smile, everything's great, yeah, we're shaking hands after mass, everything's great, a couple more jokes in your homily, Father Nathan is so funny, it doesn't do any good, right? It kills the soul, and intimacy comes through the pressure of. Of uh, of dealing with real pain and conflict and confusion and alienation between yourselves, it's there in every relationship. Now, some people are bigger personalities uh, and are more wielding of these things. Why are you doing that? Clicking. I'm not looking at you, and uh, I'm talking about myself here, both of us. And uh, 
and so we have to, there comes a deeper responsibility and, and many people have a deeper capacity for communion. And with that comes a deeper, you know, a responsibility for one, one's life and for one's relationships. This old lady, um, sweet old lady, she left the confessional when she said this to me, but she said, father, did you know that graphite, which is in pencils has the same chemical compound as diamonds? Hmm. Do you know the difference? Pressure. And then she walked out. I said, where did you learn that? She said, chemistry class, like 70 years ago. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Macro marvels. Macro, micro marvels. Micro marvels. No, the, the, pressure, sure, the pressure the pressure is what actually does it. Yeah. It's, it's the experience of suffering. And at the end of the day, we're so afraid of the cross because we're so wounded. And there's so much fear in our hearts that we're going to be alone. And we can't face each other. We can't deal with conflict. We can't deal with pain. Um, we just would rather bury it and resent people. Yeah. And, I mean, one of the things that, you know, you talked about, you know, suffering, vulnerability, all that stuff. It's also the pressure of uh, real love uh, pressing up against our false or lesser loves. Um, And sometimes we think we love as we ought, and we don't. And God is actually requiring of us a deeper love, a more honest love, um, a love which doesn't just, you know, well, it's funny because, like, 1 Corinthians 13, what does it say? Love... Uh, bears all things, endures all things, something like it's that. It's patient. It's kind. I know, but <laughs> there is true love. Is that, and we—that's what we strive for. But um, you can't just say I'm patient, therefore I am loving. I mean, just because you know I was patient the other day doesn't mean that I was like ex- exhibiting true love to this person. I think that I was giving some part of that. Um, there was some element of my life that was demonstrating that, but I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. Well, there's a lot of factors at work in human life, and things kind of go very quickly. Shifting this for a second, Nathan and I um, saw an amazing movie on Sunday night. We saw it with about 12 people, Martha Obermiller. How to Train Your Dragon 2. Part 2. Cloudy with a Side of Meatballs. Part 7. Part 7. Land Before Time, Part 46. There's a lot of them. 80. Um, we saw the movie Calvary. Do you want to name off everyone that was there other than Martha Obermiller? No, just Martha. You can name one. Uh-oh. I can name one. This is one. like Dad choosing his favorite. Hmm. Well, yeah. the one that sticks out most to me is Kerry Pearsall because he cut his hair, and yeah. it looks pretty good. He looks like somebody at a fight club. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, they don't know Kerry, and Kerry doesn't listen, I don't think, so... We're probably okay. Kerry Pearsall is an available 34-year-old male from Denver. He's a stock trader, bank manager. What's his actual job? Yeah, he works at Fidelity. Yeah, he works at Fidelity Investment. He likes hiking and uh, music. He once played at Red Rocks. If there are any available women out there. His cell phone number is. That's right. I thought you'd say Megan Megan Lyons, but she's probably weeping right now. Because you were not her choice. She scolded me too many times during the movie. That's true. So the movie Calvary is the story, without telling too much of the details of it. It's the story of um, a priest in a small town on the coast of Ireland. Setting is today. Yep. And um, a guy walks into the confessional. He's behind the screen, and he says, I was abused for a number of years as a child, and um, I don't want to kill a bad priest. I want to kill a good priest. So I'm going to come back in a week and kill you. And he walks out, and it's the story of the week. Yep. 
And it's a remarkable story. And what's really important about it is I, I want to say to seminarians, if you want to know what the priesthood's like, watch this movie and read Diary of a Country Priest by Bernanos. Do not watch The Bells of St. Mary's or whatever that freaking movie's called. Yeah. Right? Uh, don't get this romanticized version that everything's just so great and everyone's going to call you father and you're going to be respected. You're not. You're going to be treated like crap. And everything that happens to him in this movie um, resonated with us in a very deep way. Yeah. Now, this is not something to take your six-year-old you know, no. daughter to. I tell people... It's a very intense movie. Yeah, I tell people you have to be at least 30. Um, I mean, if you're under 30, you can see it. It's only rated R. Um, but uh, there are certain facets of the movie that come only with maturity. Um, and I'm not talking about, like, um, you know, somebody says the word poop or something. Um, it's... Uh, it, it's adult themed if you will not like nc-17 not like <laughs> not like anything like that uh, but um it, it it describes it describes a very harsh reality which is life um and it doesn't sugarcoat certain aspects of it and it deals with certain issues that are you know painful aka the uh, sex abuse crisis from from ireland and you know and if you read it in light of america too i mean there's certainly um, lessons that we can learn from it. So it's a great movie. Great movie. See it. Beware. One of, the, one of the lines that we wanted to focus on was uh, he's the priest says, um, I think that we spend, uh, well, do you know the exact quote? You seem to memorize everything. You do it in your Irish brug for us? No, I actually don't remember it. I think we spend too much time talking about sins. Something like yeah. that. Too much talk is done. Too much talk is made of sin. And then the daughter says, well, then what should we be talking about? And he says, virtues. Virtues. virtues, yeah. And which one? Which one of those? Forgiveness. And then he says, forgiveness. I gave a homily today on this topic, and all the old people were probably like, what the hell is he talking about? But I referenced the movie, and I referenced this line, because what I was saying was, to be an agent of forgiveness means surrendering your capacity and your ability to reconcile and to control relationships. You have to learn to enter deeply and to be conformed to the cross of Christ, which means sometimes suffering the effects of sin or sin that A, you don't deserve, and B, you can't understand. And that's an extremely painful yeah. reality. But I think that the life with Christ, especially in the age that we're living with, you have to be ready to embrace that. And you have to still be able to forgive, right? I don't know how many times I was called a pedophile when I was in Boulder. Hmm. Or the same kind of comments, the jokes. It's all the same things, you know. But God is inviting us to say the only way forward is is through the peace that comes with a life of forgiveness. But it has to be in Christ. And he's going to give us experiences like we went through, you and I, the last year, to break us down from the pride of saying, we're so great. We're Christians and we know how to love. We don't know how to love. We're broken. We're weak, we're wounded men, and we're, we're wounding each other. And we have to be more deeply inserted into the reality of Jesus because only in him is the world truly reconciled. So I think that's the key without giving a whole homily here, which I'm already starting to go down that, that path. Forgiveness comes in Christ. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood, right? Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to suffer. And I think that's the, the point of the movie, which was so profoundly moving for us. I mean, it was like deeply, all of the, the priests that we know who saw it, Archbishop Chaput said it was one of his favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways, 
highly recommended, but more deeply, you know, let's meditate and go deeper into the reality of what is true vulnerability and what is true forgiveness in this life. Yeah. Because, um, cheap, cheap forgiveness, um, isn't lasting. Uh, just like cheap, you know, cheap friendship, um, doesn't, doesn't carry you. It's not, it doesn't have the reservoir to like, you know, get you across the deserts, you know, of Utah. Sorry to all the people in Utah. Sorry, Utah. More Kansas. Sorry, Kansas. Sorry, blah. Anyways, um, but cheap forgiveness is one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, I forgave him. But then there's still something there. Um, And then you go back to it and it's like, you kind of paw at whatever, you know, like pussy mass is, is still there. And it's like, oh, there's still something festering here. Okay, I'll just sweep that under the rug again and just say I forgive. But then you don't. Okay, um, and that's the, that's the reality uh, that's been proven to me over and over, which is, you know, when Peter says, how many times must I forgive my brother? You know, even uh, 70 times, and Jesus says 70, 77 times, or 70 times 7, whatever else. But that's for one offense, not just like, I'll give you 490 chances or 490,000 chances. I will give you 490,000 chances for that one time that you hurt me because we have memories, we have um, judgments that we've made, we've formed persons around the sins that you know have been done by us and done against us, um, people who have been abused, people who have been neglected, people who come from divorced homes, people who come from uh, alcoholic families, they know what I'm talking about. That like in some way, or who are alcoholics, or have been are abusers, or whatever else, you form identities of yourself based on this, and you form identities of others based on this. And what God is saying is, release, release yourself from this burden, release them from this burden, um, because you can't carry it around. You can't continue to just like keep writing. Um, you know, notices that, oh, by the way, do you remember you did this to me? You know, like just burn it in Christ. It just doesn't satisfy. Yeah. I've done it. It just doesn't satisfy. To keep going back to that, to finding new people to say, you would not believe this. Mm-hmm. And that, and waiting for them to say, you're so right. Yeah. And you're the victim. It doesn't satisfy. Yep. We got to burn it. I think that uh, that's probably enough. Yeah, that's pretty much. I'm, I'm out of beer, so... <laughs> It's been a great podcast. Thank you for bearing with us on this one. We thought it was important. I think that uh, a lot of you will um, hopefully appreciate it. And, uh, and you know, continue to pray for us. And um, But we do look forward to hearing from you on this. And uh, so, as always, Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. And on Instagram, I guess. And we'll see you next week.